0: Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Katie Weller, Travel Trade Sales Manager at the National Gallery. We discuss the process of developing new paid-for guided tours, making the gallery inclusive for all, and how travel trade works for attractions. If you like what you hear, subscribe on all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, me too. We've been chatting for a little while on LinkedIn, haven't we? So I'm glad yes. that we've got this got this booked in the diary now. So I'm going to ask you loads of questions. I've got, we've got something really exciting to talk about. But oh, first, icebreaker questions. Yes, go for it. Okay
1: uh what sport would you compete in if you were in the olympics oh gosh that's a hard one isn't it i'm actually rubbish at sports um oh gosh what would i go for i was always good at javelin is that a sport yeah can can i compete in that absolutely let's go for it i'm going javelin all right i like it (laughs) take your anger out exactly all right last place that you went on holiday Oh, we went to Mykonos in Greece. Well, so it was supposed to be, so I'm getting married in a couple of months. And uh, so it was my hen do. And we managed to do the hen, but not the wedding. (laughs) I was happy with that. You know, as long as we exactly and do you know what it was just so lovely to get on a plane and travel again so yeah we had a brilliant time spent way too much money um but yeah absolutely fantastic oh lovely what a treat i bet you had a
0: whale of a time oh we did we won't ask because what stays on what goes on in hen stays on (laughs) exactly i think it's for the best (laughs) (laughs) all right if you could choose any two famous people to have
1: dinner with who would they be gosh Leonardo DiCaprio, just because he's always been my number one. I'd always have him at the table there. Um, and the second one, who would I choose? Does it have to be someone alive? No, you can be, it can be anyone you want. I would go for Van Gogh. Wow. I mean, it would be a bit of a messy dinner party, but I think he would just be so amazing to talk with, try and get into his brain. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Van Gogh and Leo. What, what a party. Mix. What party. <laughs> you want an invite? (laughs) (laughs) Will
0: there be cocktails? I think we'll need it. (laughs) I'm there. All right, Katie,
1: what is your unpopular opinion? Oh, do you know what? I've really been thinking about this. And I didn't think it was an unpopular opinion, but it clearly is. And I've got a lot of passion about it. Crocs should stay in hospitals. I can't even (laughs) look at them. They're just the most ugliest shoes how last year they were like trending, number one. Why people put them on their feet, it really upsets me. You will never, ever see me in Crocs. Wow, that, is a, that is a massive passion. <laughs> <laughs> can you feel my anger? This is why I, really I wanted do, Jacqueline.
0: <laughs> now, listen, I, I'm just going to say I should probably hook you up with Michelle from Eureka, the National Children's Museum, because she was very passionate about wearing Crocs with
1: socks at work she yeah. wants to do yeah. that no she, she does
0: she does do that yeah no, I has.
1: mean each to their own but not for me all right
0: okay let plastic clubs they are let's see
1: what our listeners feel about
0: that <laughs> I think there might be a few people that, that agree with you on that
1: one yeah I think since lockdown a lot of people went in that direction but yeah not for me sorry guys okay. <laughs> love it um, Katie tell me a little bit about your background before we get on to what we're going to talk about today Yes. So really, I've been in um, arts and and tourism for about 20 years, which makes me me feel really old now. Um, So I started off as just a theatre steward, so working in the local theatres. And I loved it. How cool to be able to get paid and just watch shows. And back then I thought I was going to be an actor. And, you know, obviously life changes you realise you need to get um, paid. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't end up going down that route, but I, I always had a passion for it. So um, in terms of getting in, involved in, in sort of travel trade, that was a bit later on. I was a PA for a very famous boy band, Westlife if you've heard of them. Um, So I've had lots of random jobs as well. But um, yeah, it was the Globe Theatre. So I was a tour guide there for quite a few years and absolutely loved it. And um, that's really where I started sort of um, finding out about travel trade. We attended a few shows. And then from there, I, I started at Royal Museums Greenwich. And that's where I really started my career, built up, you know, all of my contacts and, and really got to, to learn learn about travel trade and just loved it. It's such a niche thing. And a lot of people don't understand what travel trade is and how it works. But um, well, can it, well, actually, for the benefit of our listeners that might not yeah. know, can you explain what that actually means? Definitely. So you're actually in a lot of attractions. They have a travel trade and groups department. Um, so travel trade works on a business to business basis. So we would push our products through third party platforms. So I don't know if I'm allowed to mention names on here, but yeah, go for it. Like Virgin Experience Days or, or Viator or Golden Tours. I'm not pulling out favourites at all here, um, but it just means that you're um, you're pushing out your reach to new markets, new audiences that you wouldn't necessarily get in otherwise. You pay them a commission, and in return, they push out your marketing, they'll do campaigns for you, um, and they just drive in, you know, drive in different people. So, yeah, most attractions have a travel trade team, but a lot of people just don't really understand what it is. But it's a huge, you know, um, income driver to to attractions. Yeah.
0: Great explanation. I, I mean, hope so, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it made perfect sense. <laughs> and I also really
0: appreciate that you were thought we were a little bit like the BBC there and you couldn't mention other brands on it. So no
1: <gasps> know, I know. But <laughs> well, just in case, I'm going to get other partners ringing me now. Like, why didn't you mention me? Sorry. All right. So this is really exciting. So we
0: had a little chat on LinkedIn quite a while ago, actually, now, isn't it? We've been trying it to, we, we were chatting. But, yeah. National Gallery, where you are now. Yes. um is launching paid for guided tours which are geared towards kind of tourist domestic and international
1: mm-hmm.
0: this is really exciting because the national gallery is is a free gallery so mm-hmm. you don't need to pay to go into there so this is quite a new thing that they're launching how did this idea come about
1: so it's a bit of a long story I mean with the national gallery yes it's always been it's always been free of charge However, it can be for, you know, not just for an international customer, for a domestic one as well. If you're not necessarily an art buff, you can walk inside the the gallery. It can be quite overwhelming because you don't really know where to start, what to look at. So we know there is a demand for tours because they're coming in anyway. So they're coming in. So other tour companies are charging customers and they're coming in and and doing tours Ah. so the the issue with that I mean it's great because there's a demand there and we know people want to be educated and that's what we want to do we want to educate them on our amazing collection however sometimes with that it means that we haven't really got any quality control over what's being said a lot of people think they're buying an official national gallery tour and it's not so we get customers coming through to us so for us, how it all came about really is my head of department, Claire, she is she looks after events and um, uh, our catering team as well. And next year we're closing our Sainsbury Wing. So the entrance is actually going to be the Portico Terrace. So the main, the, the beautiful steps going up. Only because we're just completely redeveloping that side um, of the gallery, and it means that we lose a lot of our daytime space. So we would normally get a lot of income coming through from from daytime hire. That's going to be lost. So she thought, you know what? Let's bring in travel trade. We actually worked together at Royal Museums Greenwich. So she was head of events there, and she just saw the benefit that travel trade had, and she knew. There's a demand for tours. So she just decided, let's get up and running. So it wasn't really anything off the back of COVID or, you know, it was, it was always there as a plan because we knew we had those closures coming up. That's interesting yeah because that was going to be one of my questions actually was this something Mm. that came out of Covid because obviously
0: being a free museum during that time you know really difficult you've got you've got you know additional challenges that some of the the paid institutes might not have had in terms of like raising funding and keeping the building Mm. and the paintings um, safe and looked after so yeah it's really interesting that hasn't come from that which is a Mm. good thing yeah I guess you know an element of it has been about customer feedback, right? Like you said, there is a demand for it because people are
1: always are already booking tours elsewhere. Well, yeah, and they're paying anything between £10. You'll be amazed at what, what has been pushed out there. PDFs, where customers pay £10 for a PDF and walk around. So that's what I mean about the quality. You know, you think we want to mirror a high-quality tour, you know, in line, in line with the National Gallery. But some people are paying up to £400 for a tour. That's happening in the day, okay. so you know we want to make sure that it's a fair price, but we're delivering a top quality experience as well. Yeah, and um, you know I think people, yes, we are free of charge, but you know the British Museum they do the same thing. So you do have tours, you know, paid for tours as well. And you know I'm a tourist. I'm such a tourist. When I go abroad, I I always pay for a tour because I think it's the best way. You've got an hour, for example. I mean, the international market, they're very tight on time. They've got one hour. What's the best way to do it? Actually, not everyone wants to do the free thing where you walk through. People want to have a better understanding of, you know, where they are yeah that's interesting that you mentioned the time thing,
0: isn't it? because if you've just got that restriction, you'd want to, you would want someone to show you the best of the best. you know what I'm coming to this gallery what what is the best thing that I need to see while I hit well, like what's the thing that I can't leave without seeing? and actually, if you're kind of yeah. left to your own devices, you might not find it, you might not know where it is and and that and your time Absolutely. is then gone
1: exactly. so i I do just i I just think you know with the guided tours we're really going to ensure that it is a highlights tour. So it isn't, you know, you could go on a tour with a a curator or you could have a a bespoke experience. Most of these tourists, they just want to get a sense of, of the gallery. They want to hear brilliant stories that you just can't pick out of a book or, uh, you know, let's talk about the fun stuff, the, I said to the Blue Badge guides, I was like, "Sex, drugs, rock and roll." I was like, "That's <laughs> what they want to hear." I was like, "Maybe not too extreme." It is the National Gallery, but you know, let's let's tell them just brilliant stories, and they and they'll leave. And you know, when you go on tours, do you remember the dates? Not really. You remember, you remember the the amazing stories that they tell you. So yeah, the guides have been brilliant at putting this all together, and we've we've sort of left them to their own devices because they've got a their knowledge far exceeds mine. Um, so yeah. Really, really looking forward to to pushing them out.
0: This is it's really the stories thing is something that keeps coming up and up again, again, again on the podcasting. We just spoke to uh, Kelly Wessel from uh, London Zoo, and she was kind of talking about the visitor experience and engaging people back, like their team, back to the zoo. You know, getting them to fall back in love with the zoo. And she was saying that it is the stories that they know that makes people's experience better on the day and it's only the stories that, they, that that the team know you know like little things about I don't know the the, the giraffe house and how that was constructed exactly. and the, and you know it's those stories that make the visit more memorable for people and exactly. that's what people are looking for isn't it you know to make yeah. that more kind of personalised and more special
1: well, that's it. It's about personalization. And it does make them feel special because they probably think they're, you know, they might be the only person that's, that's been told that. And also, the blue badge guides, we've said to them, you know, it's flexible. If you want to tell a different story on a different tour, that's absolutely fine. Obviously, they keep to a bit of a structure, but if they've got something cool to tell, go for it. So, their tours.
0: So, how. How have they been developed? You, you, you know, you decide we, can, we need a tour. How do you work out what are the highlights that people need to see on this tour?
1: Yeah, so it's been, really, it's been six months in the making. Um, I don't know why I gave myself this. Goal. I was like, April, that's the goal. I think it's beginning of financial year. You go, yeah, that's fine. But obviously, it's it's quite hard to to push out something new, you know, especially in a gallery as well. So everything can, can be a bit, uh, you know, bit slower I guess Um, and you know it has to be approved at so many different levels but really starting off with the tours initially we we'd love to have kept it in-house but of course the resource isn't available at the moment so we decided all right second best thing is to use the blue badge guides. they've just got such a wealth of knowledge and they're accredited tourists trust them they know what a blue badge guide is and the joy of having the Blue Badge guides is that there's such a large pool of them. They can speak in different languages, so it means that we can offer you know multi language tours um, as well if you're a private group. And uh, they they guide inside the gallery anyway, so they they know the space very well. And they were so excited at this opportunity. I think we went we went to a show. It was a trade show. Um, on the strand and it was it was just a happy accident that I bumped into a lovely blue badge guide called called Sarah and um, she said oh you're from the National Gallery I said oh well actually I'm looking for some blue badge guides she was like right that's it I'm your main contact going (laughs) forward and she's been Sarah Reynolds her name is and she's been brilliant at I I just gave her a brief and I just said storytelling I want I know I keep going back to this but I was like you need to tell great stories I don't want the tourists to be drowned in facts and you know let's make it fun for them in terms of highlights it's a difficult one but you know that it is up to the guide obviously we've got some of the most famous paintings in the world so we've got Van Gogh sunflowers we've got the Turner we can't guarantee on any given day that they will necessarily see those pieces of art so we don't Promise that they're going to see those paintings, because the paintings move around quite a lot. we might have room closures depending on what's going on, so the mm. tour is very flexible, so we really do leave it up to them. but as I say for us, it really is about bringing the gallery to life and uh, you know just telling the best stories they can yeah. but yeah, without going into too much depth and making people it can make people feel unwelcome you know and a bit out of their comfort zone yeah. if you start going into so much detail. So this was, this was one of my questions, actually, about
0: accessibility. So I think when we chatted, and what, and what you've mentioned at the start of this, of this chat, is that, you know, the National Gallery, it can seem a bit daunting for people. Yeah. You know, if they're not art buffs, or, mm-hmm. you know, they maybe feel that it's not the place for them. Yep. So how, yeah, I mean, part of what you've described in, in terms of, you know, accessibility different languages and things like that how do you make people feel that these are inclusive for them that, that that they're gonna be it is for me or for you know joe down the road
1: yeah i think this is going to be a really interesting um year in terms of you know learning as we go there's going to be a lot of tests and trial actually only last week we had some edi training so equality uh, diversity um inclusivity uh training that was put on by the gallery and it really opened my eyes up you know it's such a big beast isn't it and there's so many things to tackle so you know I think we have to be it's really important when you push out a product you've got to keep developing and you've got to keep um You know, you can't just leave it. It's not done. It's not done with. So we really need to listen to our customer feedback. You know, how can we make them more inclusive? So I think I don't know that. I think that would just be a thing as we go, and we will have to develop and change it. But we we are we are trying. We are aware that people have that view of us, Um, and we're actually going to be celebrating um, ng two hundred soon and we want to change our customer welcome and we want to make it more friendly and that's the whole part of you know with the sainsbury wing at the moment it's not very friendly it's not a friendly welcome so we're going to get rid of the big black gates and we're going to make it more open um you know it's going to it's going to feel a lot more airy in there whereas at the moment it can be a bit like you say a bit daunting I think for customers. Yeah. We want yeah. we want the gallery to be for everyone. So that's really important. Yeah, I think that is really important at the moment because we need to get more people back
0: to to seeing these these incredible spaces that we have and the incredible artwork that you have. Um Absolutely. people who need to make they kind of need to see themselves there to be able to do that, don't they?
1: Yeah, of course. you so, get a lot of people coming in lunch breaks as well. So if they work around here, people do just come in on their lunch break, and which is lovely. That is really nice. I, that's something that I spoke with
0: um, John Young about from uh, BVA BDRC, which I mm. might have just said wrong because I always say that wrong. But um, he... Was saying how he loves that flexibility of just being able to pop somewhere after work, or because he's in London. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's really nice. Isn't it? Like I'm not in London, so you know there isn't really anywhere that you just pop to. And, and like, yeah, how lovely yeah. would that be just to be on your lunch break and go? I'm just going to go and look at Van Gogh. On exactly.
1: Why not? Or Mondays with Monet. Um, <laughs> I think it- <laughs> I love that. Is that a thing? That needs to be a thing. Do you like it? Yeah, I might, I might do a tour on a Monday, <laughs> Monday with money. Um, I think, you know, it's something, I read an article about this, I, thought, I think that was yesterday, actually, and they were saying, you know, people aren't travelling into London as much, you know, maybe three, two to three times a week, and, you know, because there's that hybrid way of working, which we do at the gallery as well. And when people are in London, actually, they want to make more of their time mm. while they're here. So I think people are starting to do that. And actually, what can I do? I'm in London, I've paid to come in. What else can I do when I'm here? So, yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of a change there. But, yeah, always welcome anyone who's, who's around the National Gallery, come in on your lunch break, come no, on a tour. Yeah,
0: I really love that idea. Yeah, do the tour. Monet mo- Mondays.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, like that. Do you reckon <laughs> I've got something going there? <laughs> Just ticked, ticked a <laughs> massive box there.
0: <laughs> so You you mentioned the Blue Badge team that you're working yes. with. Yes and I know that you kind of you're leaving it up to them but there must be some way that you kind of map out like what they have to do like where they take people around the gallery do you have like a do you have like a loose plan of how you work it out or is it just like free reign to them to to say like you know over to you what do you think you should deliver to someone
1: yeah it's definitely been uh, so that as I say they've got a structure However, because the gallery, you know, on any given day, we might have 10, 10 rooms that are shut. So it has to be flexible. They can't have set routes. Um, so that's really important because also we're looking at pushing out not only the daytime tours, but out of our exclusive tours as well when we can. So with that, we might have an event being set up. So they might not be able to go in the room that they always go uh, in. So it's okay. really important that they they, they have that flexibility but they're brilliant at it. And also I've been on the, the tours, obviously, just to make sure that they are saying what we want to. Um, you know, we can always, again, it's just reviewing as we go we go along and really listening to, to the customer and their feedback. And, you know, we can change as we go. But I have full faith in the Blue Badge Guides because they're just so fantastic at what they do. They've got a huge amount of passion for it. So I can't imagine we'll get many complaints you know, from people saying, you know, they haven't covered the highlights because yeah. you know they've got it. They know what they're they're doing. It's not in my place to tell them otherwise. But yeah, but no, we will review as we as we move forward.
0: Yeah, I love that process. It's about iteration, isn't it? So you know, you'll run them. Cool. You'll, you'll run a feedback process and then find out, you know, what what your customers are really thinking about it. And then I guess it's Absolutely. a case of just kind of evolving those tours as you go
1: along absolutely and it's so important to listen because you know what if all of a sudden well once international tourism really starts to make a comeback maybe we can start doing french tours on a friday I don't know why I have to make this rhyme. French and Friday. But, <laughs> I like what you do, yeah. <laughs> I know, I've just realised. Um, so, uh, you know, if there's a demand for it, let's let's go for it. So, yeah, that's really Im- important part of the process for me, just, um, you know, reviewing that feedback on a really regular basis. And we're doing staff, t- next week we're doing staff tours. So, I've, you know, I think it's really important. We- we're driving out this new product. Actually let the staff be part of it. What do they think? What's their feedback? It's just as important.
0: That is really, really relevant point, actually, because if they don't know what what to expect, so they can't answer questions about them either, can they? They, they don't know what the tour yeah, what actually holds for them.
1: Yeah, and communication. You know, working in a, in a big place like the the National Gallery, communication is is key. And we've actually put together um, some operational processes in place. We've got some PDFs, so. You know, if they've got um, frequently asked questions from customers, or you know, they've got something there in front of them. If not, they can obviously come through to me. But it, that communication element, we've really tried to lay the groundwork now. So there's not so many issues, you know, when the tours do kick off. Yeah.
0: You mentioned late. So you mentioned like uh, <gasps> yeah. like evening, like after hours, or when they're not, mm. you know, when the gallery's not open events, which is really exciting. I think that that. It is such a treat to go somewhere where it's when it's closed, isn't it, that you're like, oh, you know, nobody's in here. This is exciting. And I know that those lates have worked really well for other organisations as well. So prior to the pandemic, um, we worked with Eureka, the National Children's Mm -hmm. Museum, and they ran a series of lates for adults and yeah. they were incredible like they were so much fun because you know it, it is obviously it's a children's museum so all of the galleries are geared towards children and and their fun and entertainment but um really the adults just want to get in there and have a oh, bit of a go yes yeah.
1: so, well I think didn't they do that with the dinosaur sleepovers but they did it for adults
0: Absolutely <laughs> yes at the
1: um at the natural natural history and museum And the natural
0: history museum yes. Yes. And and yoga, like like, yeah and then yoga they did yoga sessions at the natural yeah. history. And I just think that's such a massive opportunity isn't it so what, what what might that be that you're going to instill?
1: So with that, we've had so much excitement. So every time I say, oh, the out of hours tours, you know, people are since coming out of the pandemic, people, they want new experiences and they want to do things which are Instagrammable. So you can yeah. go, look yeah. at me. I'm an empty national Gallery. I mean, you might not be empty. We're probably setting up for events and you know, there's curators walking around and conservation, but that's all part of all part of the, the experience. Um, Also, for me, I really thought, you know, we're in central London. There's that beautiful hour between six and seven where a lot of the attractions have closed. People are milling about because they're waiting to go to dinner or they're waiting to go to the theatre. Actually, let's plot some tours in and, you know, use that time where they can come in and have an absolutely fantastic experience. People are willing to pay a higher price point because yeah. it's more exclusive so i have no doubt that they will do very well our partners are so keen to to get those up on sale and um yeah i'm I, I can't wait and we we will develop other products as we go um but initially we'll just be pushing out the daytime tours followed by by the out of hours yeah that's a great time as well what you said listen 6 to 7 because it is a bit yeah. of a dead time um you
0: know, why, well, like you said, like you're waiting between stuff or maybe waiting for the later train home so exactly. it's not as busy. And, you can just and we, that we're right in the middle
1: of London. So <laughs> it's like all these people wandering around, come in, come in. But again, we're, we're going to make sure that, you know, it really is about that quality experience. So we'll, we'll only have 25 people on that tour, which makes it a bit more special as well.
0: Yeah, I love that level of e- exclusivity. Yeah. Yeah, it does make it feel like a real treat, doesn't it? Definitely. All right, so let's talk about Benefits. I mean, what is this going to bring the gallery? Because it is, it's obviously going to bring in revenue, but it's going to hopefully bring in a new audience.
1: Well, that's it, isn't it? It's bringing in those new markets, those new audiences, which we wouldn't necessarily be able to target otherwise, or it would be really, really expensive for us to do so. So that's why we use trade, because that maximises our marketing budget as well. So it will be really interesting to sort of review who is coming in. And you know we'll we'll capture all of this data as and when bookings come through um and yeah we'll just go we'll, we'll just go from there but um i can 't remember what the, your question was now because i've just gone off it there. was it was about
0: what is it going to bring the gallery but I think what one of the things that you just mentioned there is about using trade again, and I yeah. think the, this is quite important to highlight is that because i asked i one of the questions that I, that I was going to ask you was you know, where where's the price point for these and and how do you buy them? You know, are they available to buy? Can we go and get can we go and get a tour now? But you're actually going to sell them through a third party.
1: Yeah. So I guess it's a little bit different here because we've gone from uh, the National, uh, sorry, at the National Gallery, um, there's no products to necessarily push out. Or there is, but through commercial, like the exhibitions, but we don't touch those. Um, So we're basically or they are using us, I guess, as a, as a bit of a trial to see how it goes with the tours, push them out to trade, iron out any problems, and it would make sense for them to sell it B2C, business to, to client eventually. Um, so that will probably happen. But initially, if you want to book a ticket, it would be through those trade platforms. Like I said before, Golden Tours or you know, Expedia or you know, any of those platforms. Because I guess it really is probably geared more towards the international market but is domestic as well um and something really important to remember pre-pandemic the gallery it was 80 percent were international tourists 20 percent domestic obviously there's been a a bit of a change during the pandemic but it's really important that we don't forget about our international audience
0: yeah definitely and
1: and i guess this
0: it's a good way to trial it working as well isn't it rather than committing so if you think about the process of um, where attractions have been able to reopen after the pandemic, they, but it has to be ticket, you know, buy your ticket in advance, sometimes, you know, timed ticketing as well. Yeah. That's a big financial commitment to make mm. in terms of like your digital processes. Someone's got to manage that process, get it all up and running. Mm. This gives you a way of, of operating like that, but without those, you know, digital financial commitments until exactly. you know that it's working.
1: Absolutely. And it makes it nice and easy for the team who will then push it out because everything's done for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they can just go, okay, that process has worked well, you know, that hasn't, you know, and they will review it. And show, I'm, I'm positive they will push out the tours. It's, you know, when I say to people that we're we're doing tours, the National Gallery not got tours anyway. And they do. They Sometimes they put on, you know, random free tours, but it's not necessarily advertise it's this time every day or you know so it is sort of as and when people will come in i'll join this tour so you know we just want to put structured tours in place like most other um, other places do you know like the british museum we did a lot of benchmarking for the price points i know you mentioned about those we have to we do have to be careful because we are free of charge yeah. but that's why we did a benchmarking um exercise and you know things might change we might push these out and actually those out of hours tours we they might go up in price they're 35 pounds for the out of hours which I think is fair and I think you know we don't want to outsell um is that the right word outsell because you think some people if we go into like corporate they've got a lot of money to spend but actually your general tourist you know you don't want to push it out so they it's not attainable yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, you want it to not be. It can't be
0: unaffordable to people, especially exactly. to, the, to to a new demographic that you're hoping to to bring to the gallery, and and that you know going back to what we said about making it accessible for more people and for for all. Exactly, you don't want to kind of outprice yourself, but mm. then also on the flip side it is a very exclusive tour, you know, 20, 25 people on a tour. That's very small. That's really kind of exclusive, isn't it? For an out hour of hours. So you, exactly. yeah, you've got to try and get that balance right of to, yeah. to what that's, what that's going to look like.
1: And again, that's it's all test and trial, isn't it? And I think, you know, if they're really in demand and, you know, we can, we can push it up a bit, then, you know, then fantastic. Great. But yeah, again, it's just a, a matter of reviewing it and seeing, seeing what happens. But yeah. I'm hoping for lots of sold out tours. <laughs>
0: I have no doubt there will be, but we're, I mean, we recorded this. This is the end of March recording. It's the 30th March today. When do when do the tours go on sale?
1: So actually, one of our partners went live yesterday. Oh, wow! Um, so you'll see over the next um, couple of weeks, ticketing will go live. It's been a it's been a bit challenging because there's been so many. Loopholes to go through, uh, through, and you know, we con- there was no contracts in place. So I've been working very closely with legal and, and and with finance and putting these processes in place. You know, things that you don't think about when you're developing a product, and we've just had to make sure that we've got that right ahead of ahead of going live, and we we had to um, put in a system that would fully support travel trade as well. So for our ticketing um, and making sure that we can connect live with the partners. So there's been lots of stuff going on in the background, but the tours start April 12th. Oh, amazing. Literally. And then I decided weeks. to get married a few months. I <laughs> don't know why I did this to myself. <laughs> when is the wedding? <laughs> June, June the 6th. I keep forgetting the date. So obviously I'm, I'm the whole team at the moment. I am travel trade so I've already given Claire my head of department the heads up I hope you're available because I might need a bit of help <laughs> but we'll build and we'll expand you know as, as we get into next year and what have you yeah definitely and listen you only you get well hopefully you'll get married once exactly well let's hope for the best
0: we got <laughs> through the pandemic so <laughs> uh, Katie, thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. A lot it's of passion lovely. and enthusiasm that you've got for this. Oh, um, thank you. Looking forward to coming and visiting as well. Yes. But before you go, I always ask our guests to recommend a book. So something that they love could be a personal choice, can be a work related book, but yeah, just something that you'd like to share with our listeners.
1: So this book, you do have to take it with a pinch of salt, but it is such a good talking point. Let me know if you've read it. It's called The Five Love Languages oh, by Gary no? Chapman. I have not read this. You have to read this. So basically, in a nutshell, without spoiling too much, The Five Love Languages, so everyone, he, he basically, he, he's looking at couples um, and he says that everyone's got a, a different love language. So the five of them, I've written them down, so I don't forget, words of affirmation. So you might prefer it if your partner oh you look you look lovely today I love you but you know uh, that might be your love language right. um physical touch so you might like it if your partner you know very touchy feely. acts of service so if they mow the lawn or you know do the washing up I know for a lot of all people of these like, things yeah you're like everyone but well, they do say you normally have two. quality time so going out on day trips going to the beach and stuff like that um or receiving gifts So, you know, that my, and they say it fills your love tank. It is a bit cheesy. (laughs) This fills your love tank. So, you normally have one or two that are your most prominent ones. For me, mine is um, quality time. Yeah. I love experience. Oh, yeah. I'm in this industry, exactly. experiences and in doing things. But my best friend hers is acts of service. Oh, if he does the washing up, she is so happy. Her <laughs> love tank is full to the brim. <laughs> oh, this is really
0: funny. <laughs> I've never heard of this before. I'm going to read this. This is really interesting. I mean, like, mine would definitely be the, the time one as well. I think you know, yeah. that it's so important. So I guess you like so you find this out about yourself. And I guess then that that sets you on your path of we need to make time for these things in our relationship.
1: Well, it's not even, what's really interesting about it is usually you reflect your love language on someone else because you think that's what they want. And this is where communication breakdown comes from. I think the couples that he's talking about, they're in bad times. And uh, so it's like, how could you actually communicate, you know, you he he's cleaned up for you but actually you're not very oh cheers because it's not your love language but if he'd gone on a day trip with you that might not mean much to him but to you wow so it's more about understanding what each other's love language is so actually you might have to do things in a different way to what you would want yeah it's re- it, do you know it's good for a pub chat. This is a yeah, absolutely. This is
0: a this is a book to read and then dive oh, you can
1: read it in a day as well. Tell. Yeah. I love it. I'm going
0: to I'm going to pop out and buy a copy of this. Ah, oh, but listeners, if you want to win a copy of this, head over to our Twitter account and retweet this uh episode announcement with the words I want Katie's book. And you will be in the chance of finding out your own love language. I feel like this podcast has gone a whole different way. Oh,
1: I know. I know. (laughs) I can't wait for you to read it. You have to come to the gallery and we'll go for a lovely coffee and have a chat. I think that would be a treat, Katie. (laughs) I'm going to
0: do that. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on today. Um, Oh, you're so
1: welcome. Good luck
0: with the tour launch.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks
0: for listening to Skip The Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip The Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.